could use a good mule driver. Maybe two or three. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Lindsay. He was in The Devil and Daniel Webster. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the beginning of this episode. Yes. Hello, everybody. I was reading about Walter Houston. No, that was the last movie. Oh. This I get is, so confused what movies is, we're on anymore. No, we're, you know we just watched this movie. Because <laughs> so this, this movie was movie. almost double the length of the last that movie we watched. That is very true. We so, basically watched the equivalent of three films. We watched movie number 38, so mm, episode 66. Yeah. Yay. Yay. I only know that because we just recorded episode 65. Shh, no, we didn't. <laughs> no, we really didn't just record it. No, it like was three, three hours, hours ago. ago. And that's why I'm not quoting, you know, Dr. Strange Dr. Love. It's fine. So this is the movie where Humphrey Bogart no, goes in the, the war room yes. and he actually is... Like a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah, that's what it. Don't don't start saying that. Don't say Nazi sympathizer during the night. You know, World War Two, and then he has to go help a family anyway, raise their children. We <laughs> watch. I said, listen to. We watched <laughs> the Treasure of the Sierra Madre from 1948. An hour and six. An hour and six minutes. That two hours not and an hour six. six two hours and six minutes. <laughs> it's an action. No, no, no. Two hours and six? It's yes. all, oh, that's right. It is only two. Sorry. I thought it was closer to no, three. No, it's two hours and six minutes. Oh, it's my God. It's an action-adventure <laughs> drama. This is why we shouldn't do two episodes <laughs> in a exactly night. This is exactly why we shouldn't, but it's fun. It no, is. no, it's more entertaining, the second one. Yeah, it is. Oh, <laughs> it's for And yeah. what did you say it was? An action-adventure action adventure drama. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. It was a lot more exciting than I expected it to be. It was. That's We're not even there yet. No <laughs> Metascore. Well, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> Directed by John Huston, written by John Huston and B. Traven, who I have trivia about, so I'm not going to talk about him. Oh, right I forgot now. to look him up. Humphrey Bogart, Walter Huston, who is father of John Huston, mm-hmm. Tim Holt, who was in movies like Stagecoach and My Darling Clementine. A lot of westerns. Yeah, it was a lot of B westerns. Yeah. They get all the people. Like, well, I mean, yeah. that's that's. He, only, he was only 54 when he died. I will say, I he thought he died cancer. in the 70s or he had something. Had cancer, like yeah. 73. Hey, cancer. Uh, Bruce Bennett plays Cody. Bruce Bennett uh, was in Dark Passenger with Humphrey Bogart, Mildred Pierce. Um, and yeah, Barton McLean, who was McCormick. And who was the other person that we found was in this movie? Oh, Robert Blake. Yeah. Tiny little kid. Like, went on to kill people, Robert Blake. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is... Yeah. Yeah. But what is it, after his wife died or something like that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Remember. I don't want to look it up either. I started not. at one point and I just gave up. Yeah, let's not. Let's say we did. Well, um, uh, summary of the film. You didn't read that, you didn't read that right? I was in the wrong spot on the page. Oh. Fred Dobbs and Bob Curtin, two Americans searching for work in Mexico, convince an old prospector to help them mine for gold in the Sierra Madre Mountains. I did not realize they had less, or first names. I yeah. actually thought Dobbs and Curtin was their names. No. Because they're only credited as Dobbs yeah. and Curtin. That's why I was I was really confused. Interesting. See, look at that. I learned something from the movie that we just got done watching. And I don't know why I'm John Lovitz all of a sudden. Um, looking up where the Sierra Madre Mountains are. Sierra Madre Mountains are in California. They're not in Mexico. No, that <laughs> totally changes. <laughs> but they weren't 
Indians. They were Hispanic. No, but see, the thing is, though. No, there are there are Sierra Madre mountains in Mexico. Okay, I was just gonna say because your summary you just read said they were they were looking for work in Mexico, yep. and that whole opening nope. sequence they were then, in Mexico. Yes, they well, they must stretch down into Mexico. Because is the it's a chain it's a chief it's the chief mountain system of Mexico. So that's the big consisting ridge that goes of the, the Sierra side. Oriental, the Sierra Occidental, and the Sierra del Sur. Well, this is a test to our geography skills. Yeah. I, I knew I know of the Sierra Madre Mountains. It does mountains. I say just don't know where they're at. it is like there is like jungle, but but that bullcrap that sound bullcrap. Oh yeah, bullcrap. Um, it it's means uh, mother mountains. You should just do your summary real quick so that we can talk about what. There sound. are no monkeys in the mountains of Mexico, <laughs> and now is it is it customary to wear a blanket? <laughs> okay, so first part. The monkey sound effects. You can tell this is like the golden age of like filmmaking where they was still that era where they reused sound effects from every movie and it didn't always have to be like 100% accurate. Now, okay, mm-hmm. if we are incorrect about this, please nicely let us know on the Facebook post for this episode. But every time it was nighttime, you heard like monkeys you heard generally what is considered to be jungle sounds here is according to wikipedia which we all know is the best source for anything yes this cannot there are wolves okay there's a small black bear population i'm assuming there was a mexican grizzly bear population but it is extinct jaguar ocelots mountain Mm. lions bobcats badgers coyotes gray fox white-tailed deer mule deer Collared peccary, which is a... Badgers? It's a piggy. We don't need no stinking badgers. It's a piggy. Okay. Um, hold on, I lost it. <laughs> but is there anything about the chupacabra? No, I'm not done. <laughs> I want to know if there the chupacabra's in Sierra Oh, good. For the Chipmunks, bunnies. squirrels, the Mexican fox squirrel, raccoons, hognose skunks, hooded skunks, white-nosed Coty, which I know are monkeys, and ring-tailed cats, and many species of bats in addition to lizards, frogs, snakes, and some birds. Like the imperial woodpecker and the tufted jay. But, like, this... And the eared quetzal and the thick-billed parrot. But the sound effects made it always sound like a jungle. Like, it sounded too much like a a jungle. Now, maybe I'm... That's a rodent. Maybe I'm incorrect. Maybe it's, it's... it's no, because I'm re- like that, reading but... about, you know, the Sierra Occidental Mountains. No, I know. Okay, I know. It's 1940. I love that this is what we're spending our time on. Let's have a discussion. We haven't had a discussion. There's random crap about this. I like when we do random crap like this. But, like, the, the sound effects and stuff like that, I mean, I know that back then they just used the same, like, when it was nighttime and you weren't in the city or in the country, it was generally that sound effect track. That's what yep. Warner Brothers always used. Like I said, I'm almost certain it's probably the same sound effect track they used in King Kong. I mean, if Max Steiner did both scores, so why not use the same sound effects? But it's that, it's that like, when you hear it, you, you know what I'm talking about. You recognize the sound effects from it. It's that same cliche, like, crickets are chirping. There's always, always like, ooh, like in the dist, I there was a terrible impersonation. If there monkey. are monkeys in Mexico, yes. they came from Central America and South America. They are not native to Mexico, so they would have been transported or transported or moved their way up there. Oh, yeah, 
Just saying. There would not be... Ju- and it would not be jungle sounds like no, that. No, that was flat I don't out care. jungle sounds. That was flat out jungle. That was Tarzan, yes. King Kong, King Kong, like jungle, jungle sounds. Bork, jungle sounds, indeed. The standard... Ooh, ah, that monkey sound. Yes. There was a lot of very cliche. And I'm starting to pick out like those cliche sound effects in everything I Well, watch. it's like I know I know when people like TV shows and movies and stuff now use stock baby crying. Yeah. Stock women screaming and stock is it you who knows doors opening? Yes. It's yeah. the same metal squeaky door sound effect. Yep. I know the baby crying one really it, well. It's the squeaky door sound effect. And it's also the um, semi-truck horn honk yep. that you always get like, <laughs> like for yep. no, it was on an episode of Doctor Who, like the second season of Doctor Who, I heard it the other night. I'm like, oh, no. why is he even honking that horn? There's no reason for him to be honking. It's the, <laughs> like that. Yep. It's the exact same sound clip. And it bothers me so much. It bothers me too. I understand. <laughs> I feel you. Oh I know. Okay, let's move on from nitpicking movies. No, I enjoy doing that. I know. You know I what know. we need to do future podcasts? We just need to sit and bitch about it. I'm film. sorry, I kicked the mic thing. You did kick the mic thing. And then a All thing popped up. Bumpity bopity No, it's stuff not. There. That's me getting closer to the microphone. <laughs> um, We need to do that for a future episode. We need to do, or not a future episode, future podcast. Every just episode, we nitpick. pick a different, we pick a different thing. Like this episode, we're going to talk about sound effects, effects that and we like hate why we hate them and what we've heard no and we don't need to put more hate in the world no but it'd be funny because it's just being all mad I know but not really it's over the most petty bullshit if you would like to see tag. that podcast please read us a comment on our Facebook page and we will make it happen anyways so uh, what are we at what am I doing oh the awards and technology <laughs> I got so confused. You didn't even ask. Oh, I, we did my summary. We did your you summary. You didn't ask me if I liked it. I don't know if you wanted to talk about we that now. About it, Let's talk about it now. Like, okay. Do you like I really liked this movie. You had not seen it, right? I have never seen I this movie. I have never movie. seen this one. Either. I was dreading this movie. Why were you dreading this Because movie? I thought it was another boring Western. And that yeah. is not to say that all Westerns are boring. No, I'm just saying that some of the Westerns that. on this mo- list are boring. Yes. I'm looking forward to High Noon. What? Hold on. There, now you have more light Oh, space. thank you. Yes. I just wanted to put my foot out. No, I know, I know. That's, That's what you were doing, so. Sorry, I was moving the mic stand. I'm leaving that in. I don't even care. I don't care. Um, I would agree. I was not, I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't not, looking, okay, I shouldn't say I was dreading it. I just wasn't looking forward to it. I did not know what this movie was about whatsoever. And it it's is really mm, good. Yes. It's an interesting study of human nature. Yes, and what Using greed. my NPR, view, NPR voice. Um, the, uh, the study of human uh, nature, nature when greed Kate Jeff Goldblum. is uh, uh, thrusted uh, upon them. <laughs> Thanks. Thank Anyways, um, no, I would agree. It's it's a very good study of it. I, and I liked it, too. It, it moved really good. Like, I, I know I tend to focus on the technical aspect of a lot of films. That's, I, I kind of feel like that's my part. Mm-hmm. in like this podcast at least that's what it's become yeah because i talk about technology and stuff but like i and i i pointed out because i can i know when pacing is done right i know or well the pacing that i enjoy is done correctly this film had a good quick pacing a lot of the films back in the 40s and the 30s as we've discussed before and even the 50s and the 60s are slow paced like the the cuts are longer the scenes take longer before they move on like the scene will take 10 minutes to get through when you right. can easily do it in 5 this movie kept going i mean they they were freaking what mining gold with within mm-hmm. what 20 minutes of the movie maybe 
Like, they were out of Mexico and already... But they already got into a fight. They got into a fist fight in the first, like, ten minutes of the film with somebody. And, like, they were off, and then they were they were moving on, and they found uh, Houston, and then they were off again. Like, it was... It yeah. Was a, it was a very quick-moving movie. It was, indeed. It was one of those where I looked down, like, twice, mm-hmm. or I looked up something, and I came back, and I'm like, wait, what the hell just happened? Like, they were already... they Something happened, and it moved on. Yep. There was no long delay. And, no, I like this movie. I did too. It was a very good film. Very, very good film. I understand why it won one of the awards that it won. Yes. So, hey, look at that little segue I did there. Segue. Segue, not the motorized vehicle. No. Segway. Spelled differently. Yes. Um, the awards section. Hi, everybody. The This film had four Oscar nominations and 15 additional awards over time. The four Oscars, or they actually, uh, the three Oscars that it was nominated for but did not win was Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Walter Houston. Wait a minute. Sorry, what now? Oh, no, no, yeah, he didn't win that. He didn't win that. No, they did win it. I got these backwards. I'm sorry, kiddos. Okay. I messed those up. Um, I did. I completely got them backwards. Okay. The three, the Oscar that it was nominated. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. We're doing this way too late in the day. No, no, it's fun this way. That's the thing. Um, it's go home and pack. The, uh, the, okay, so the film was nominated for four Oscars. The Oscar it was nominated for but did not win was for Best Picture. Okay. Okay. The ones that it was nominated for but did win was Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Walter Houston. Yes. Who played... Howard, not yes. Houston. I called him Houston. I meant to call him Howard. Right. Uh, it won for Best Director for John Houston, and then it won for Best Writing slash Screenplay right. for John Houston. So John Houston won John Houston. two John Houston, John awards. Houston. So the Houstons took away some awards that evening. Um, John Ham's John Ham. <laughs> John Ham's Little Ham. Um, the no, it's not little. We've <laughs> the, all seen it. <laughs> yes, we have. Um, why did I say it that way? That well, was because we've all creepy. seen. Just look up photos. Anyways, right? uh, the film was entered into the National Film Registry in 1990. This pleases me. So I wish it. I mean, and it was the copy we watched was a really nice, really well done restored copy of the film. It looked beautiful. Another one of those movies where at points, just kind of like uh, Doctor Strangelove, at points it did not look the age that it was. It actually looked a little newer. Like, it was that well-preserved, and it's really cool to see stuff like that. I've noticed that more and more as we've gotten higher on this list. Like, uh, like obviously, the Sophie's Choice, that was never been released on Blu-ray. I don't believe it's in the National Film Registry. It's not preserved. Right. Like, you can tell the quality of the film that we watched. It did not... It, it aged horribly. Right. But a movie that's over 60 years old... Hell, it's 66 years old this year. This movie? Look... Or, no, sorry. 60... Yeah, 66. Yeah. It looked beautiful. Like, it looked like it was a great, well-done film, and that's just really cool. Mm-hmm. I have no technology, because there was really? really there was really only rear screen projection, and that weird-ass ghosting moment. Yeah, what was that? Okay, like, 15 minutes into the movie, um, Dobbs, Humphrey Bogart's character, and, and Curtin are sitting at, like, a water fountain trying to figure out what they need to do, and, and Dobbs is talking, and all of a sudden, in the midst of the scene, Humphrey Bogart, like duplicates himself yeah like he's sitting like he left his body for a minute yeah like his right shoulder if you watch the movie if you haven't seen it or if you even you have seen it go back and try to find it if i can find the clip online when they're sitting at the fountain they're sitting at the fountain all of a sudden for about like five seconds 
His right it's not shoulder, even that long. It's no. like three. His, I, you had to back it up like three, three times, times. but I could not see it. His right shoulder and like the right part of his head, because as you're facing him, it's yeah. on the left-hand side, but it's his right. Right. All of a sudden, right, like, right. duplicates, and there's like like an outline of him. <laughs> in, like, Sorry. Oh, Secondary. Gosh. One. <laughs> I hate you. I haven't done that in so I long. I just mouthed bad words at you. I know you did. <laughs> I know you did. That's okay. I They can't get an explicit tag. We already nope. had explicit tag. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> I haven't done that in such a long time. <laughs> but no. Um, <laughs> and I said I was going to hold off for a while, too, the other night. I've only actually been awake for like 12 hours, too, because I slept till like 8, 9 o'clock today. <laughs> Um, I gotta do it while I can. Midwestern first world problems. <laughs> hey, I have a new job that hey, I start I slept, on Monday. I slept till 9.30. Then I work at 5 a.m., so shut up. I'm up till 2 a.m. most of the night working on stuff. I sleep till 9. That's what I I do. have now had jobs that run the gamut from, like, starting you've work at 4 a- to 5 a.m. Yeah. to working till 2 a.m. Yeah, so you've done... Not all at the same time, but... I've And I have, I've had jobs that have... Go yep. until 2 a.m. or 1 a.m. till, till uh, 1 a.m. and then have started at 7 in the morning. I, yep. don't, I So I have like a six-hour gap that yep. I haven't done work yet. I'm not. I am worthless at that hour of the day, just letting you know. Yeah, the only hours of the day I haven't worked are 2, 3, and 4 a.m. This is fascinating material for the treasure of the It really is. <laughs> Shut up and do your stuff. So yeah, I'll I'll see if I can't even just do a screenshot of it so you guys can see it. If I can find the clip, I'll put it on the website. But it was weird. I I don't I do not know what was happening. The background like warps a little bit too. It's I wonder if something happened to the fill. It I don't know. Have. Because it, it, because they were doing like a because I screen. said the plates you like maybe the, it's something with the plates and I'm wondering I'm wondering if it wasn't like no but see everything would have been messed up if it was the camera I thought I don't maybe know. it was the camera I don't know I'll have to look into it I'll look to see if I can't figure out something I, okay so anyways that is all for awards and the nitpicky technology moment okay uh, Jeff where I actually ripped apart technology for a film I will continue to look for that. Lindsay and your gum may continue with the trivia section. Sure, okay. Everybody loved you chewing yep. just now. I don't care. <laughs> I was listening to, I think it's a Ghostbusters episode where I'm eating lifesavers for yes. like the whole episode. And I would just like to formally apologize for that because it's really annoying. I'm pretty sure, did you not say after that that you will never eat? No, yeah. we did that in one of the earlier ones, didn't we? Yeah. We were eating some or chewing gum. Yeah. Or well, I always something. have to chew gum. It helps me not yawn as much. <laughs> I say that about to yawn. You're gonna it is late, yawn. though. <laughs> yeah, it is low. Well, that is my fault over there. Okay. Walter Houston, father of director John Houston, won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. John won for Best Direction. This was the first father-son win. Which is cool. Mm-hmm. A doctor was assigned to the unit in Mexico, and one night he had to attend to John Houston, who had an adverse reaction to marijuana, having smoked it for the first time with his father. He never touched the stuff again. He smoked it with his dad? Yep. Well, I suppose if you're going to do it with anybody, do it with your family. <laughs> one of the first American films to be made almost entirely on location outside of the United States. Interesting. John Huston played one of his most infamous practical jokes on Bruce Bennett in the campfire scene in which he eats a plate of stew. Bennett knew that his character was starving, so he wolfed down the food as quickly as possible. Huston then demanded another take. And another. 
In both extra takes, the rapidly filling up Bennett again had to eat a large plate of stew. Unbeknownst to him, Houston had been happy with the first take. The cameras weren't even rolling for the second and third takes. He just wanted to see how much food Bennett could lower before he became too stuffed. As soon as the joke was revealed, Houston added insult to injury by calling for a lunch break. (laughs) That's not where that story was going. I thought you were going to go the route of uh, what happened for... uh... Uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Where the guy just keeps eating the burger mm-hmm. not knowing you're not supposed to. There were scenes in which Walter Houston had to speak fluent Spanish, a language he did not know off camera. To fill this need, John Houston hired a Mexican to record the lines, and then the elder Houston memorized them so well that many assumed he knew the language like a native. I, he talked it really well. I thought he, he just He talked knew it. it really well? He spoke it really no, well? No, no, no. He talked it, he man. He done talked it real he well? He done talked it real gooder. All y'all talked it real good there? Hex, Yes. Wow. As John Houston was starting to shoot scenes in Tampico, Mexico, the production was shut down inexplicably by the local government. It turns out that a local newspaper printed a false story that accused the filmmakers of making a production that was unflattering to Mexico. Unfortunately, two of Houston's associates, Diego Rivera and Miguel Covarbius, yeah, that's how you say it. Covarrubias uh, went to bat for the director with the president of Mexico. The li- libelous accusations were dropped. The reclusive novelist B. Traven was asked if he would like to visit the set during the location shooting. He demurred, but said he would send he would be sending an associate instead. The associate was actually Traven himself using a pseudonym. Oh, nice. John Houston was fascinated by the mysterious author B. Traven, who was a recluse living in Mexico. Traven approved of the director and his screenplay by letter and sent his intimate friend Hal Crovis to the location to be a technical advisor and translator for $150 a week. The general consensus is that Crovis was in fact Traven, though he always denied this. Houston was happy not to query him on the subject, but his then-wife Evelyn Keyes was certain Crovis was the mysterious author believing that he was continually giving himself away, saying I when he should have been saying he, and using phrases that were exactly the same as those to be found in Traven's letters to Houston. All very ironic, especially considering that Traven was offered $1,000 a week to act as technical advisor on the film. It is known that B. Traven was a pen name and that Traven's true identity remains a mystery to this day. He was offered how much? $1,000 a week. To be the technical consultant because yep. they thought he was the author? No, Is they invited the author to be... They invited Traven to be technical advisor for $1,000 a week. Instead, he sent his friend, right. Hal Crovis, to be technical advisor, and they only paid him $150 a week. Damn, because that $1,000 a week is $9,800 Considering this fat, this film shot for five and a half months. Yeah. Yep. That's a lot of money. John Houston has a cameo as, Amer- as an American tourist. It's the scene in which uh, Humphrey Bogart asked that guy for, for money on three separate occasions. Mm-hmm. That's John Houston. This scene was directed by Humphrey Bogart, who took malicious pleasure on his director by making him perform the scene over and over again. <laughs> the budget... Oh, I'm going to hit spoilers in this, by the way. That's one and a half million dollars they were offering yep. him to be the consultant for. The budget yeah. exceeding... 
With a budget exceeding $3.5 million, this was the most expensive production ever mounted by Warner Brothers up until 1948, with the added uneasiness of it being shot in Mexico. To protect their investment, the studio bosses insisted Bogart's carrier, Fred C. Dobbs, remain alive until the very end of the script, after initially not wanting Dobbs to die at all. John Hewson steadfastly resisted studio interference, while critically acclaimed the film was a financial disappointment during its initial release. $34 million was the budget. This film does not look like it needs $34 million. Especially because no. if they actually and shot it in And aren't generally Mexico, westerns and movies of this caliber very inexpensive to shoot because they just shoot why, them outside? Yeah, that's why they were so cheap. That's yeah. why every sound studio had a western backlot was because they're cheap to make. You yeah. just go, you drive a half hour and you're in the west. You film real quick, you come back and it's done. Right. So they spent $35 million on this movie. What the hell did they spend I it on? Probably salaries. The fool's gold? I don't know. Humphrey Bogart started losing his hair in 1947, about the time that he was making Dark Passage, which is 1947, partly because of hormone shots he was taking to improve his chances of having a child with what let wife Lauren Bacall, although his excessive drinking and lack of vitamin B were probably also factors in his hair loss. He was completely bald by the time he arrived in Mexico, and once on location, Bogart started taking V-vitamin... Vitamin B shots, and some of his hair grew back. But he did sport a wig throughout the entire shoot, albeit one that was artfully muddied and matted to cover up the joins. John Huston wrote the part of Howard specifically for his father. The character that appears in the original novel is much older, and indeed author B. Traven had envisaged Lewis Stone in the part. I don't know who Lewis Stone is. I shall look him up. Okay. Because I don't recognize that name either. I need to learn to talk towards the microphone, by the way. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I keep talking away from it. Sorry, guys. You said Lauren. You said what? Lewis, Lewis. Stone. So, oh, what is it? Oh, Lewis, mean? not like the French spelling, the normal spelling. On seeing the depth of Walter Houston's performance, Humphrey Bogart famously said, one Houston is bad, but two are murder. <laughs> Um, the fight scene in the cantina took five days to shoot. It took five days? Yep. Yeah, right? John Huston had read the book The Treasure of the Sierra Madre by B. Traven in 1936, and had always thought the material would make a great movie. Based on a 19th century ballad by a German poet, Traven's book reminded Huston of his own adventures in the Mexican cavalry. When Huston became a director at Warner Brothers, the smashing success of his initial effort, which is the Maltese Falcon from 1941, mm-hmm. gave him the clout to ask to write and direct the project, for which Warner Brothers had previously secured the movie rights. Okay, so Lewis Stone. Yeah. The um I think this is like the Hardy Boys. Does that make sense? Maybe. I don't know. He was in a bunch of he was in a bunch of movies in like the the 30s and the 40s. Yeah. Um he he kept playing the same character this Judge Hardy. Okay. And, oh, the Hardys right again. Out west with the Hardys, Love Finds Andy Hardy. Judge Hardy's children. It's the same. Okay. It's like he continued to play the same character right. in all of these like series, and he acted. He acted until 1953 when he died at 73 years old in Beverly Hills. He was just he An was act- a, a character yeah. actor. By the time he was 20, he turned prematurely gray. So he's like Steve Martin. Oh, okay. Okay. To lend authenticity to his role, Walter Houston was persuaded by his son to perform without his false teeth. 
As production dragged on, Humphrey Bogart, who was an avid yachtsman, was starting to get increasingly anxious about missing the Honolulu Classic, the Catalina to Hawaii race in which he usually took part. Despite assurances from the studio that he would be wrapped on the picture by then, he started to constantly dog John Houston about whether he would be done in time. Eventually, Houston had enough and grabbed Bogart by the nose and twisted hard. Bogart never again asked him how long it would be before shooting was over. <laughs> the movie's line... Which we all quote wrong. Yes. Because it is not badges. We don't need no stinking badges. The line is, badges, we ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Was voted as the number 36 movie quote by the American Film Institute. I think we've, uh, I think we've brought that up. I think there was another movie we watched where it was one of the famous lines in it. We we it's probably Silence of the Lambs. Was it Silence of the Lambs? Maybe. Where we brought up like what the actual line yeah. was. So which I think we're gonna have to do it again. Well, we have to do it for Godfather because the whole uh, offer out, uh, that he can't refuse thing is always misquoted too. It's another oh, okay. one of those like subtly misquoted. But not in the Godfather two, whereas I always knew it was Euphredo. No, sorry, it was Godfather Part One. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. But in Godfather Part Two, which I I'm... always knew it was Euphredo. Yeah. You break my, my heart. Break my... Broke my heart. <laughs> I love that movie. I like that. I think I'm going to be bold and say I like the second one more than the first one. I haven't seen the second one in forever. We always watch the second one. Like, whenever it's on TV, it's my dad's favorite. Oh, do not get my father started on how The Sopranos ended. He was not happy. <laughs> The little boy who sells Dobbs the portion of the winning lottery ticket is Robert Blake of Little Rascals and Beretta and then Murdering People frame. I like allegedly. That. I like that history. Allegedly. I love that history that you got there. <laughs> John Houston stated that working with his father on this picture and his dad's subsequent Oscar win were among the favorite moments of his life. Oh. I'm going to sneeze. Bless you. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize for sneezing and like... Uh, producer you know, Henry Blank had originally wanted John Garfield in the Tim Holt role, but Garfield was unavailable. Ronald Reagan was then considered. <laughs> the actor? Yep. Who's vice president? Jerry Lewis? Um, the film took five and a half months to shoot and was 29, only 29 days over schedule. Only? I added the only. Okay. I'm going to say only, because that's freaking in 1948, that's ridiculous yeah. to be that far. John Houston originally wanted to cast Ronald Reagan as James Cody. Warner Brothers studio boss Jack L. Warner insisted on, instead insisted on casting Reagan in the voice of the turtle from 1947. The bum seated near Walter Houston in the first scene in the Oso Negro flop house is Jack Holt, father of Tim Holt. Holt is not the man in the barroom scene who speaks to Humphrey Bogart and Tim Holton's saloon, as stated by Eric Lax in his DVD commentary. That actor is Pat Flaherty. So somebody on the commentary got it wrong, got yep. the character wrong, or the actor wrong? Okay, spoiler time. Spoilers! John Huston's original film depicted Dobbs' death was as more graphic, as it was in the book, than the one that eventually made it onto the screen. When Goldhat strikes Dobbs with his machete... Dobbs is decapitated. Houston shot Dobbs' fake head rolling into the water hole. There's a quick shot of Goldhat's accomplices reacting to Dobbs' rolling head that remains in the film, and the very next shot you can see the water rippling where it rolled in. The 1948 censors would not have allowed that, so Houston can camouflage the cut shot with a repeat shot of Goldhat striking Dobbs. Warner Brothers' publicity department released a statement that Humphrey Bogart was disappointed the scene couldn't be shown in all of its graphic glory. Bogart's reaction was, What's wrong with showing a guy getting his head cut off? (laughs) 
The well, end. You know, I looked for it too. I looked to see if there wasn't some like kind it of it existed somewhere, yeah, like some rough cut or deleted scene or something of it. And I cannot, I can't even find a picture of it. So, like, Interesting. if it exists, it is kept very is never been shown. Which, though, for a film this old, it's I not. It doubt doesn't exist anymore. If they cut it out because of censorship, it's gone. That yeah. clip is gone. But gone if forever. you if you do look close, like you you mentioned the ripples, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you watch that shot where you see it's it's just the feet of Humphrey Bogart's character at that point, and there's like the pool of water in the background. The water is rippling, and there is there's like a trail going all the way down from his body into the water that you could tell was supposed to be like the blood trail. I yeah. guess. But that's interesting. Yeah, I looked. I tried finding it because I'm like I would I would I'd like to see what was considered to be too violent for people back then. So it was, but I cannot find it. All right. Well, let me move on to stuff and things with Jeff. Okay. And then I will do to make up for the fact that there wasn't any in the last. Yes, there was none in the last episode, and I'm sorry for that, kiddos. Within the first like ten minutes, I got three, and then I got a fourth, and that was it. I got four of them for this episode. Uh, Number one. My, that was the quietest fight scene I have ever heard. It really was the barroom fight sequence. Like music cuts away, and it's just very quiet. It's more. I can't even say it's more realistic. It's just not as heightened as usually. It's very... Yeah, we just kept doing like... Like very quiet. Like they muted the sound on the entire scene. Number two. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for that last one. Number two. What is Howard's obsession with beans? It's true. He was really obsessed with beans, man. Don't understand. Number three. Water pouring out is very dramatic moment, and it needs to be scored accordingly. True. It's really dramatic. Max Steiner. No, dude. Calm down a bit. Not so much. And number four, you are not Jack Sparrow, Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Savvy? Savvy. <laughs> All right. Moving on to Inflation Nation. Based upon the movie was supposed to take place in 1925. So that was the year that I based it upon. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first 15 minutes, I was actually converting all the talk of pesos into American dollars and then doing the inflation based upon that. However, about 15 minutes into it, I realized I can't do that because the cost, uh, the, uh, the, the, the value of the peso to American dollar has changed in the last 60 years. And I don't have a way of calculating the change. So I, I ditched those, but I like, how much the the ticket in the beginning, the Robert Blake boy, how much like he was offering uh, Humphrey Bogart's character like for a ticket, how much the work the cost was, how much they won to get their journey. I was doing all those and I just skipped them. So this is all just every time they actually mentioned like eight bucks or eight dollars or whatever, that's what I used. So uh, eight dollars, which the pay to work at the construction site per day was the equivalent is the equivalent of one hundred eight dollars and thirty eight cents. Okay, that's so not bad. So that's why they went that after no him. That was a hundred bucks a day right. for work. Yeah, I'd go after him too. Uh, five thousand dollars was the amount that the uh, prospector says he wishes he could get for gold, which I think actually ended up being Howard eventually. Uh, but he wanted five thousand dollars. That would be the equivalent of sixty seven thousand dollars nowadays. $600 was the amount that Dobbs and Curtin needed to do the expedition, which they conveniently got after Dobbs won the uh, the draffle or the raffle. Yep. That would be the equivalent of $8,128. $25,000 was the amount that Howard wants to live out the rest of his life with. That's the equivalent of $338,000. Okay. What are you laughing at? The way I said that? No, I'm laughing at oh. something I read on my iPad. I'm sorry. <sighs> I'm listening you. to you. And then finally, $105,000 
was the amount that Dobbs bet Curtin that he uh, that uh, that oh sorry let me oh, nah. <laughs> my mouth the day before the day said after the seventy fifth eighty fifth eighty fifth body incline uh one hundred five thousand dollars was the amount that Dobbs bets Curtin yep that he goes to sleep before he does that's what they bet on I kind of missed yes. that part and that's when I he starts like money. laughing maniacally yeah he kind of lost it that's the equivalent of 1.4 million dollars <laughs> I bet you 1.4 million dollars that I'm gonna fall asleep before you or you're gonna fall asleep before me Dobbs was cray cray totes cray cray totes cray cray this hurts very totes cray cray mm-hmm 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 are you gonna do that from now on just cause we watch Dr. Strangelove it's possible great I'll just do it at key moments. Oh, okay. Like the key opening. Key moments like all the time. And then like during my sections and then during the end credits. And I might even figure out another way to say goodnight to Radio Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> no. So that's all I got for Advice Nation as well. So uh, final thoughts regarding, regarding words regarding the treasure of Sierra Madre. Lindsay? What? You were not listening to no, me wasn't. at all. Nope. I thought you had one more thing to say. <laughs> I'm just going to sit back here and wait for you to be ready for the podcast. I'm ready for the podcast now. <laughs> no, uh, any final thoughts regarding the movie? I actually really did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to, but it's really good. It's not the Western. It's not a Western. At all. Not really, no. no it not is, in the traditional sense. It's the whole gold mining, yeah. like the gold rush. It is more of an adventure movie. Not it a is. fun way. And we kind of did call what was going to happen. Yeah, but that's just because we've seen a lot of movies. Right. But at the same time, I actually, I expected them to kill more. Like, yeah. he, I mean, yeah, you already spoiled it. Dobbs dies. Yeah. But it's, um, it's Curtin that I expected to get right. killed. Right, and then I, he does it. And then he does, actually, I thought they were going to kill Howard first. Yeah. And then it was going to be down to Curtin and Dobbs. And then I thought they were going to end up having a moment where they were going to end up go like I thought they were all going to go crazy. I didn't expect it to be just Dobbs too. You gave a spoiler warning, right? Yes, I did. Okay. This movie is also sixty, <sighs> 60 years old. Yeah. So sorry, it's outside of our spoiler warning. Oh, alert, just so. shush. You're fine. But which you guys hopefully by now realize that if it's a movie you haven't seen yet, you should probably. Well, that's yeah. why we do the whether or not we like it at the beginning. You listen to it then. If it's on that we like and we recommend, then you should go watch it and then finish the podcast. Yeah. Don't keep listening to the podcast if you don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, so don't it come happens. crying to me. It happens. Um, but yeah, I would recommend it probably to other people. Okay. So uh, what is next week's movie, Lindsay? Next week's movie. For the movie. end of June. Next week's movie is The Best Years of Our Lives from 1946. It is two hours and 52 minutes long. It is a drama romance war film. And the summary is three World War II veterans return home to small town America to discover that they and their families have been irreparably changed. Directed by William Wyler, who also directed Ben-Hur. <laughs> which we never watched. Oh, we will watch this movie. Trust us, guys. Um, I'm not looking forward to that, this. That plot sounds incredibly familiar. It's called Deer Hunter. Yeah, Deer Hunter. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure Born on the Fourth of July dealt with that a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of movies have touched on this subject. People who are in this movie: Frederick March, Dana Andrews, who's a gentleman, Myrna Loy, Teresa Wright, Virginia Mayo, Kathy O'Donnell. 
Hoagie Carmichael, that name I actually recognize, Harold Russell, and Gladys George. You know one thing we forgot to talk about That's when it comes to this it. movie, Treasure of the Sierra Madre? What? Why we think it's on the list. We've been uh, We didn't do the last two. We've been slacking on that a little bit recently. I wish real quick, real, real quick. Um, it's Where it's at on the list is good, right? Yeah. Um, higher or lower, you think it's it's fine in the it 30s? It might need to be a little lower. It could probably be in the top 50, you think? Or do you think yeah, it could be above 50 still? Yeah, no, top 50 is fine. Okay. Um, I need to check, did it drop at all? Because um, we, haven't been we doing forgot that. to Sorry, mention kiddos. that on Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove dropped 13 places. This dropped 8 places. So they're both dropping. Yep. Which I think... In- the next several have actually dropped... I think it like them being in the top fifty is good because like I enjoyed Doctor Strangelove. I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I think it's I think it deserves to be in the top fifty. I don't think it has to be in the thirties. I think it could go you know it could be like forty five, forty six. Yeah. Just put it in the top fifty movies because those tend to be the ones that really most people would probably care. Excuse me, care about. Yeah. You know they're gonna do top twenty five and if they're gonna go higher than that, it's gonna be top fifty. They're not gonna right. really care about the top hundred. No. So. But I, I, I think this is I think that's that's interesting. It's um do you do you know why it's on the movie list? I'm thinking because it's it is the first you know one of the first movies to be shot outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And did it? It does. Well. It, it deals with the the whole human nature thing kind of interestingly. I think mm-hmm. personally. And I think it also it also t- it also hits that whole like during the gold rush of the twenties. Yeah. Like it's what happened to a lot yep. of people. They got out there greedy to try to find stuff and probably didn't come back a lot of times because they just they put all their life into it. So sorry, I didn't mean to make a stop from the next movie. I just we, no, I, it's I, fine. I, I forgot about it and I wanted to talk about it real quick. Um, That's good. Yeah. So this. Yeah, so the next movie. I've never seen this next movie. I have. I have. I don't even remember hearing of this movie. Like I, the name doesn't even sound familiar. No, I thought you meant the Treasure of Sierra Madre. No, sorry. Like yes, it does. They <laughs> quote it in Friends. They talk about it in Friends. I'm sorry. Who's a Humphrey Bogart? Yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who is this gentleman we just watched for two hours? But uh, all right. Well, you know, look forward to best years of our lives. Yeah. Who knows? We might actually really like it. Every time we sit out to be like, all right, this is going to be a great film, it actually ends up being a good film. Okay, but Intolerance was not a good film. No. But we flat out knew that was not going to be a great film. We were talking. In our opinion, anyway. We were talking about that. And guess what? It's our podcast, so it's our opinion, so shut it. Indeed. Sorry, I'm crabby. Which that needs to be. Because I'm tired. That needs to be the name of our next podcast what? where we just sit and complain about stuff. It's our opinion, so shut it. <laughs> With Lindsay and Jeff. <laughs> I'm right, you're wrong. Shut up. <laughs> oh, when we get off mic, remind me I have something to tell you about this last week, and that's right. funny. Well, sorry, everyone else gets to hear about it. Suckers! Suckers! Uh, we don't mean that. We no, love you. No, we love you. I'm sorry. Don't, sorry. don't go anywhere. We love you all. It's the tiredness talk. You're all so beautiful. You are okay, so beautiful. Okay, you need to stop that right now. Oh, God. To me? To me? <laughs> <laughs> Cannot finish it. <laughs> so, all right, everybody. Well, it's all uphill from here, I indeed, think. Maybe. Indeed. Oh, yes, it is. I don't. Next episode is number 37. We're I know. so just cranking It'll along. It'll be July. <gasps> it's going to be so awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so fluffy. I want to Good night, Radio Rhyme. <laughs> Oh. Good night, CK Dexter Haven. You're also getting quieter, too. Have you noticed that? I'm really tired. <laughs> Every episode, it's. We just... watched and recorded two movies. Yeah, but it was a fun, like. I know. 
eight hours. I know. <laughs> Not even that. It was no, like it six. wasn't. Well, goodbye, everybody. everybody goodbye. 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 Okay, good night. Once <laughs> <laughs>